Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. How y'all doing? You good this morning? Sorry, I'm just pulling together a little bit. My heart, when I got saved, probably my greatest prayer over and over, I would just sit on my bed and say, Lord, I, I just ask you to mold me and shape me to where people can really see you in me. And that's been a heart cry. I said, I pray that my children get to know you because I know you. And I would just pray some things like that. And over the years, when a pastor says something like that, it just, it gets me. Because uh, that's, that's what it is all about. You know why we're here this morning scripturally? It's not just because you're a part of Awake. This was beautiful and the, that was great. But there's a, there's a reason you shared it. We're here to not forsake ourselves from assembling in order that we could stir one another in love and good works, that we keep living this way, that we don't let life sneak up on us, that we don't get stumbled and tripped and deceived and turn inward and take life personal instead of him. You see what I mean? It's the real reason. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not a dutiful thing. It's not, well, you need to belong to a church if you're a Christian. There's a, there's a higher, more beautiful, <laughs> less rigid, legalistic way to look at it. You, you're assembling yourself. What you're doing is you're looking around the room and saying, man, there's believers in my community. There's believers around. We're on the same track. We're, we have a unity of faith. In other words, we believe that God put himself in us to shine through us, and we're going to stay stirred up in that truth to affect our community community without trying so hard. You see what I mean? Because every one of us have spheres of influence in this room. We, we go to the workplace, we go to the marketplace, we brush by and, and walk by people all the time. As, as we continue to grow in who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, and we all leave from this place. I mean, we, we just come here, we gather here, but we live there. So the priority of your time is there, Right? So you never turn this into an escapism or the place you feel safe. You can feel safe anywhere because he's in you and you already won. Like no matter what happens, like you can't even lose your life because he found your life. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't even die anymore. That's really ridiculous if you think about it. Like you can't die anymore. You, you know, we talk like that, but there was a time I tell a story. I won't go into a detail, but you don't know what you, how you react unless you face things. But I was in a service. It was in the South. People didn't seem to care that I was there. Somebody didn't like what I was saying and was really against something. And, and, and the, the policeman came and sat around me after the service was over and they were undercover. And I was like, something's weird. And the guy was sitting right beside me. And there was three more surrounding me. And he leaned over and said, hi, Dan, I'm officer so-and-so. I said, yeah, I thought something like that. What's going on? He said, well, we're concerned. There's apparently some threats and we're actually concerned for your life. And somebody has obviously said this or this or this. And I said, no way. He said, yeah, we're, we're here to make sure you get out of here safe. We're going to watch you and, and make sure you get to your uh, home okay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, listen. No, this is intimidation, sir. I appreciate you. I can find you in the book of Romans. You have a place in our society and I respect you, man. <laughs> but I said, this ain't the place. It's intimidation. And if you don't face it, you'll run from it the rest of your life. I said, so if they say they're going to kill me, let's let it play out and see if they can. I, I just don't think they can. I don't think it's going to happen because I got too much to do. My heart's burning and I'm not going to die anyway. So let's just let it unfold. So he said, sir, I highly disagree with your take on this. And I said, sir, I'm, I respect you. I love you, sir. I'm not asking for your agreement on my take. I'm saying, just disband this thing and let's just roll this thing out as normal. I was like one of the last ones to leave the church like I was last night. And I'm obviously fine in here today. There was zero, zero thought of dying, zero fear. It was zero fear. Like we said, well, brother, you got to use wisdom. Whose wisdom, the truth or your fear and apprehension? It was zero, and it was fun to be in that situation and actually know that it was zero fear of what they were telling me. It didn't even faze me. Why? Never going to die. I'm convinced of that. Ever. 
To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Ah. Wonder if I actually believe that. And don't just quote that. <laughs> Wonder if I see that. So I was just telling you that little story because it was fun. And I was telling y'all we're never going to die. So what's, what was I saying? We're all gathered here for a reason this morning. Don't get tricked into religion. Don't just be here because you belong to awake and you gather at 10 o'clock. Wake up, enjoy Jesus, commune with the Lord, have fellowship with God. Man, we should have loved him long before we walk in the door and David gets rolling. Like, like if that's the only time you communed with the Lord, then you're letting your church attendance take the place of knowing him. And all of a sudden, church attendance is your Christianity. Like if you're not seeking Christ-likeness in your life and you're not pursuing Christ, that's why it got me emotional when Pastor Matt was saying about Christ-likeness because it's my heart cry. It's what he paid for. Christian means little Christ-like one. So if you're not living Christ-like, if you're, if you're taking things for granted, you're just coming to church, making sure you get your kids to church because my kids are going to grow up in church, but you're not pursuing Christ-likeness outside of church then all you're teaching your children is that church attendance is Christianity, period. Don't fall apart on me now. I felt the room sink a little. Don't sink on me. Don't sink on me. It's not condemnation. It's sobriety. We don't want religion. Come on, we all say we don't run religion and then we get swept into it. And all of a sudden we're doing a form of a thing without actually living the thing. And all of a sudden, it's just easy to have animosity at home. And oh, well, they'll forgive me. We're family. We just have fallouts now and then, da, 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 da. And you're not taking accountability and responsibility for your life and laying down your life and walking in love within your own family. But then at church, we're... <clears throat> so don't get lulled to sleep. And don't let anything, anything take the place of knowing him. Because knowing him is the transformation of your life. Church attendance can be a transformation in your life and it can be a point in a contact, but, but, but knowing him is guaranteed transformation in your life. Amen? Because if you don't take what you're hearing here, I cried out my heart the last couple of days. I poured out my heart with passion, right? Uh, but, you, but you could listen to that and say, boy, that was good or boy, that wasn't good and, and leave here and never apply, consider or activate those things in your life and they'll never become life to you. They might sound correct. They might sound inspiring. But until you apply them and you go this way face to face and put those things in your life through prayer and communion, they'll never be yours in your life. You might be able to quote them. You might be able to stand up here and repeat them. But that's never the goal. The goal is becoming, the word becoming flesh. The goal is the word becoming flesh. Until the word becomes flesh, you really don't know the word. You have an intellectual relationship with the word, but not a heart relationship. Are you with me? Come on, it's very important. I'm just convinced of this, guys. If Jesus said, follow me, it's possible. If Jesus said the things I do, you'll do if you believe, then I need to protect my believer. <laughs> the things I do, you'll do if you believe. It's amazing how everything is after your belief. And how so many factors try to factor in to decide what you believe, what you don't believe, what you stand for and don't stand for. See, what you give yourself to is what you actually believe, regardless of what you say. Are you, are you all okay? Am I, am I being mean this morning or too intense? You guys are like, I just looked and everybody's like, sorry, I'm just awake and I'm alive. <laughs> Yay. I was so fired up last night. I had a long day yesterday, man. It was just boom, and I was so fired up last night. And we got talking right at that. Right before bed, I had to go to bed by faith. I laid on the bed. I didn't go to bed for a while. I even read. I was in the room. I was like, I was just wound up, man. I was wound up. Woo! That Energizer Bunny dude, he don't have nothing on me, man. It's just funny. The gospel's life. It's life. And uh, so, so, so here's the deal. This morning, I want to talk about a couple little things, but, but 
Be accountable. Be your own best accountability partner. I'm just cheering you on this morning. This is a little family talk, okay? I'm not preaching a sermon. I never do. I would do terrible preaching a sermon. My pastor preaches great sermons. I would do terrible. It's, it's a different calling. One's not more anointed than the other. That's what people think. People say, I love the way you preach. It's so it's just Holy Spirit led us up. Well, my pastor has notes and so prepared and praise. It's Holy Spirit led too. It's just, you know, sometimes people just prefer a different style than another, but that's not make one more God and one less God. It's not true. This is a grace on my life to do this. The Lord commissioned me a long time ago. He said, don't ever, he told me, he told me, don't ever read your Bible to preach a sermon. He said, only ever read your Bible to know me and only ever speak out of who I am in your life and that'll carry weight. And that's what I do. So I just get up here because I have a relationship. I just talk about us. And because there's an us, there's a... <laughs> yeah, for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> So I want to encourage you this. Be your own best accountability partner. Like hold yourself accountable to what you believe, what you're applying in your life, your communion with God. Don't just get tricked in, a, in going after knowledge. Knowledge can puff you up if you don't have relationship. Knowledge will take the place of relationship. If you don't have relationship, you'll still feel like you owe God something because of the cross and the belief in your heart. And if you don't have relationship, you'll get reduced to serving him instead of knowing him. And then again, your whole Christian life will get defined by what you do for him instead of who you've become in him and who he is in your life. Is that fair? Come on, this is just healthy, sound stuff. Like so many people find their identity through what they do for the Lord. So they just believe to serve the Lord is paying him back because they owe him something for what he did. He doesn't want your service. He wants your life. He wants to live in you. He wants to possess you. You know, there's, that's not a scary word. Everything's trying to possess people. <laughs> There's a lot of things trying to get the upper hand in your life to rule your life. There's a lot of false lords that are trying to become lord of your life and govern your life and be the supreme being and ruler of your life. Fair enough? So why not let it be him? Instead of a bad attitude or hurt and offense or judgment or criticism or just a desire for wrong things, wealth, whatever, apart from well, it's desiring wealth is it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's not money. I, I, I know he said it's hard for a rich man to enter, but that's because there's challenges with wealth. It doesn't mean you can't be wealthy and, and, and not be a man of God. That's, that's, that's silly. That's not true. I know some very wealthy people that are amazing men of God, and they do a lot of help and a lot of things for a lot of people. And you can judge where they live and what they drive, but they give more than people make in a year. I think that's cool. So drive what you want <laughs> and keep blessing them orphans and feeding those hungry. You see what I mean? It's just true. That's just, that's just quit being nitpicky on stuff. So, so be your best accountability partner. You're the only one that can guard your heart. And you're the only one that really knows it, you and Jesus. I mean, the devil doesn't even know your heart. He can't read your mind. He reads your life, your actions, watches your words. If there's an assignment on your life like that to try to track you and follow you and look for weakness, like, like he left Jesus, departed from Jesus and looked for a more opportune time. So he departed, looked for a more opportune time. What's he doing? Just looking for weakness, looking for something in your life that he can attack. And Yeah, so self-centeredness is not cool. Uh, uh, certain languages, you know, you say something like, boy, if that happens one more time, I'm just gonna give up. I'm just gonna give up. Well, you can be sure it's gonna happen one more time. And then you say, well, see, I told God for one more, he still let it happen again. No, no, you're positioned for it to happen. You're getting slapped around like a rag doll. You don't even realize what's going on. So be your best accountability partner. Hold your own heart accountable, not your neighbors, not your spouse. Hold your own heart. Please, unless somebody's in Christ, be, 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 you can be encouraged by them, but don't let where they're not ever influence where you are. That's getting your eyes off of Jesus. Are you guys with me this morning? I'm just trying to cheer you on so we stay healthy. So we take the truth of this weekend. If, if you heard truth this weekend, you take the truth of this weekend and you run well with it. 
Don't be sidelined and discouraged and grow weary in well-doing. Every time you do that, it's a sign of turning inward self-centeredness, whether you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're just thinking for yourself. But anything that slows you down is wrong thinking. Are you following me? Any reason to not be encouraged in Christ is wrong thinking. Anything in your mind and your heart that you start believing that doesn't produce life can't be in the right channel. It can't be in truth. That means you're looking at life more than you're looking at calling, purpose, and destiny. That means you're weighing circumstances more than you're weighing how you're to respond in circumstances. See, it's not about never having a car wreck. It's about what do you look like if you have one. It's not about never getting laid off. It's about who are you when you get laid off and what do you look like and does your identity change? Does your demeanor change? Do you wear the cloak of laid off or do you still wear the cloak of sun? Are you encouraged? Are you manifesting? Are you productive? You still have bills and you still have money and it's a reality, but why aren't you like, here's what we do. We get laid off and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get laid off. I gotta call so-and-so and get him to pray. And I pray, honey, please don't lose it. I just lost my job. You what? Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, call the group, have them pray. That's Christianity. And it reveals that we're here to survive and we aren't surviving. We're about to drown. Help God. Did you pray today? Yep. Help God. (laughs) Why is this not easy to just to get? Wow. I didn't see that coming, man. I had no idea, Lord, that was coming. Wow. I'm so glad you love us. I'm so glad you know us and know our situation. I so appreciate the covenant I have with you. You always care for us. You always protect us. You always provide. God, I so thank you for the relationship we have and the strong hand you have on our family and our lives. God, I know you'll walk us through. I don't even know where to go from here, but I know you'll lead me because you're good and you're all wisdom and I appreciate your love. And then you call your wife and say, hey, I want to let you know something and don't even be one bit uh, concerned. Listen, I've prayed. I got, I got faith wrapped around this. Listen, I just got a layoff notice and they don't think I'm coming back. But man, God has to have a door somewhere because he's been nothing but good to us. And all of a sudden you're pumping gas and your buddy walks by to go into the convenience store. He doesn't even know you're laid off because you ain't wearing it because you're wearing him. And you're not stuffing feelings. You're not in denial. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless coming in and going out. Praise God. Bless God. Hallelujah. Bless God. You're not some Christian robot. You actually believe. Because you know the other, the flip side, you're pumping and your buddy goes in and he says, hey man, how's it going? Oh man. Keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer. Prayer? What? You okay? Oh man, just prayer. Just. So then you know he's coming over when he comes out and he's like, what's going on? Man, I just got laid off. I don't know what we're going to do. I got so many bills. They said we're not going to even get called back probably. Man, can you get to praying? Can you call some? How come you get told you get laid off and you become laid off? How come when you're told you're a son, you're not a son? Oh, I am preaching really good. (laughs) Why do we let everything move us? Watch, I'm going to be convicting right now because it really is all about us. And that needs challenged and smashed and destroyed because it's a detriment to healthy Christian living. You are not a Christian for well-being. You're a Christian to shine. You can't let challenges, circumstances, you can't let sickness, you can't let death, you can't let a wayward family member, you can't let anything that you encounter in life rise above the truth of why you're here. Or you won't live free and you won't experience blessing and you won't experience the joy of salvation because the dread of life will be greater. Because you'll misunderstand your place in that moment and who he is and who you are in that circumstance. And you won't flesh out Christ. You'll flesh out me, myself, and I. And that never looks edifying. Are we okay? Come on, it's just true. Because we've all been through stuff. I've been saved almost 26 years. I've been through tons of stuff. I could read off the list. My list might not be as intense and challenging as yours, and it might be more than some. The list isn't what's important. The truth I live by is what we're talking about. 
Why do we put so much emphasis on the list? Because we allow the list to decide us. It becomes our justification for being less than who he is in us. The list isn't the issue. Who he is in us and who we're created to be is the issue. So if the bumpers do clash, what does Jesus look like now that it happened? If the spouse does go wayward, what's Jesus look like in the other spouse now that it happened? I promise not broken, hurt, devastated, stereotyped, and finding another relationship through the pain. Don't let the room sink on me. I'm talking straight. No, I can feel things shift and stuff when I'm talking. That one didn't go over real big. You know why? We have a hard time believing it because we have so many feelings. But you know what our feelings are connected to? Me, myself, and I. And those kind of feelings are never healthy. You say, well, yeah, but Dan, God gave us emotions. Absolutely not. He didn't give you the emotions you're familiar with. Adam gave you those. They're all hinged in self-centeredness. They all have a self-centered wellspring. They all flow out of you thinking for you. Your whole emotional makeup has been perverted through the fall of man just like everything else. Don't think for a second the emotions you grew up with is what Adam had before the tree. If you're not self-centered, you don't have to try to not be angry, hurt, discouraged, frustrated. None of those emotions I just listed ever produce life. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Do you think we're supposed to keep struggling with those emotions and keep calling them normal? Or do you think they're supposed to be removed and crucified along with Christ? Come on. I've been a pastor for a while. I've ministered to a whole lot of discouraged, quote, Christians. It reveals that we don't totally understand the gospel and why he came and who we are now that he's here. I can show you in scripture where discouragement is not a Christian. Can I just quote a scripture for you? Hebrews 12, 3. Let's just go there. Consider him. Consider who? Consider him. Why? Because that's where I find truth. So I'm looking unto Jesus, the one that authored this thing called faith, and the one that's going to tie it up if I keep my eyes on him. So consider him, next verse, consider him who endured such hostility against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Isn't that something? It's Hebrews 12.3. Told you it was there. I read the book. It's beautiful. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against who? He didn't say, boy, they're picking on me. Boy, they're making life really hard. Boy, that hurt my feelings. Boy, I can't believe they believe that. All I'm trying to do is right. He didn't do any of that. You know, when his disciple cut off the ear of Malchus, when they were coming to take him to brutally crucify him. Completely innocent. Peter got zealous and whacked the ear off of a man. And you know who Peter rebuked? Or who Jesus rebuked? Peter. He said, Peter, what are you doing? Put away your sword. Don't you know if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword? He never corrected Malchus. He didn't say, see, son, you got yourself hooked up with the wrong band of guys. You put yourself in this position, bud, you're going to lose some things, maybe even an ear, huh? The guy is on the team that's arresting Jesus for doing nothing wrong. The guy's on the wrong side. Peter wields his sword. Why is Jesus correcting Peter? What he's saying is, Peter... Why are you still like them when you've been with me all this time? Peter, you've been with me all this time and you're still like them. And the reason you're with me is to come out from among them and be ye separate so you can shine as a light in the world. But if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword because you're on your own because I'm not in that arena. Come on, that's there. It's in your Bible. And then as he's rebuking Peter, guess what he's doing? Come on, this is a freak out, man. He's putting the ear back on or growing a new one. I don't care. Theologians eat your heart out. Whether he found the peace or put a new one on, he fixed his ear. 
Malchus. He never said a word in your Bible to Malchus. That's a freak out. Put yourself in Malchus' shoes. They all come close. Peter, ah, whoa. Don't think Peter was trying to cut off his ear. You don't go for the ear with a sword. There's a reason he caught the ear. Because he's going for the throat, the neck, the head. Malchus goes, whoa, dude. Ah! Imagine, did you ever cut a piece of Carly's men, shaven men? Tiniest little thing. You're, 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 you're in a hurry. You're trying to get out of the house. You got to be somewhere. And you're doing the quick and you just go, dink. A tiny little, you can't even see the cut. You, dink. you just nick a pore around your face. And that thing is like, you could hook a Red Cross bag to that thing and just not waste it all. Because it's like, who knows what I'm talking about? And you dab it. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Jesus. Lord Jesus. Am I telling the truth? Do you think that his ear was bleeding or do you think this was all a supernatural event? And when Jesus put on the ear, everything went poof and disappeared. No, this dude is standing there with no ear. It's cut off. It's cut off. And all of a sudden, Jesus is rebuking his disciple for doing it. This guy's on the wrong team. They take Jesus away, which is bizarre. It's just all meant to be. What actually happened, if you look at Scripture, Jesus told us why it happened this way. Because you wonder, did you ever wonder why men could be so confused, how they could see all this and still rest Jesus? He backed off. He said, come and do what you must. It's, it's your hour. It's the hour of darkness. Come do what, what God do. God just pulled back. And darkness is so confusing, chaotic, bizarre. If, if we had no sovereign mercy, grace, or light from God on the earth, like brute beast, we would walk off into darkness and destruction. Because darkness is so chaotic. And men are so blind and confused and deceived, and they'll turn on their brother in a moment, kill their own mother for a penny. Without any sovereignty of God on the earth, I promise. God just pulled back our darkness. He fixes an ear. You think fixing that guy's ear, you think them guards would be like, dude, we ain't taking you nowhere. You're amazing. Instead, they do worse. They tie him up and on the way, they're thumping him and whacking him. Till it was all said and done, you couldn't even tell it was him according to scripture. That's a little more than inconvenience. That's a little more than going out of your way for humanity. This gospel's amazing. That's why I'm so intense. He walks away from Malchus with the, with the hundred guards or whoever came to get him. Now you put yourself in Malchus's shoes and you look at Jesus' evangelism 101. Never said a word to him. Just put his ear back. His disciple cut off the ear he corrected him openly for it because he stands sanctified. Put yourself in Malchus's shoes. Now he's following along. Don't you think he's, he's, he's got blood, guaranteed. He's got blood all over his side of his head, his neck and his shirt. There's no question. He gets into town. Whoa, what happened to you, man? What My ear, like his, his disciple chopped off. Dude, there ain't even nothing wrong with your ear. No, seriously, he did. But that guy we arrested, he just went like that and it was okay. Dude, that's impossible. Look at the blood. What do you, what do, you do with that? So now he's just, watch what it's called. 
See, we're hyper evangelists. We just want to force people into a prayer and try to get them in an intellectual place where we can corner them to get them to pray our prayer. Jesus is way smarter. Boom. It's called a seed. The kingdom of God is if a man scatters. The sower sows the word, the seed. Boom, he sows the seed. How's this guy get away from that seed? How you pull that one out of the ground? Don't you think Jesus gets crucified? He watches the whole thing probably. Now there's rumor that he raised from the dead. Now I'm convinced of this, Pastor. Nobody, nobody has to even challenge me on this. This is my own personal belief. I'm privileged to believe it. I'm convinced we'll see Malchus in everlasting life. Convinced. Because when he heard Jesus rose from the dead, he's already in. And the first time he heard the gospel of salvation, he got it. Because he had, what do you do with that kind of love? What do you do with that kind of love? We are called to become that kind of love. That if you have a Malchus in your life, you don't have an attorney, you put his ear back on. Don't let the room drop on me. Stop that. Not against attorneys. I'm against self, self, self-preservation, self-protection, self-defense, self-satisfaction. It's not that I'm against self. Jesus is because it never produces the kingdom. Standing for your rights. Why do you have rights? You denied yourself. How do you deny yourself and have so many rights? I've said for years in prayer with tears, God, if the chips ever fall, if it gets tough in America and persecution breaks out and unfairness hits, I hope we're prepared to do more than pick it. Boy, am I okay? Man, I feel this thing's on me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be too intense. To pick it and stand for our rights. Christian rights. You go tell a third world country. You can tell the people right now in Heidi Baker's ministry all the stuff that's going on and happening today in today's world for believing, going. In the last few weeks, in today's world, and they're still getting saved. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please make sure you're way more Christian than American. I'm not against American, but please be way more Christ-like than American. So, what are we doing? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Guys, not correction, cheering you on. Do you understand? Cheering you on. It's a little family meeting saying, hey, we can live this thing. Let's go for it. Let's not keep getting tricked by the little foxes and losing the fruit in the orchard. Let's not keep believing the wrong little things and letting the unproductive feelings have a place for a week, a month, a year. Let's stop hiding behind alibis that never produce fruit or righteousness. The wrath of man will never, ever produce the righteousness of God. So that means wrath towards others, wrath towards yourself, zero, deception, demonic, devil, hell on earth. Wrath towards others, hell on earth. The kingdom of God is that, go preach saying, the kingdom's here. Love, opposite of the hate and the wrath. Ain't that something? Personally, I'm just speaking personally. Don't get condemned by it. Be challenged by it. Personally, I've settled in my heart. I will never let any of that stuff settle in me and have permission to have any of that stuff in me. If it even tries to touch me, I'll deal with it. I'll pray. I'll cry out the truth. I'll make sure I don't act on anything that's contrary to love. Because I don't want it in me. He paid to get it out of me. 
And I don't need a right to be right if my right is actually wrong in the end. I hope this isn't too intense. I feel really passionate. I'm sorry about that. I can't help that. Some people don't understand that. You understand that. You know how it can get if something comes on you in the Lord or you believe it's the Lord, you can't. There's no way for me to just pull back and go, well, guys, (laughs) Jesus is really awesome. He is awesome. That's why I'm so passionate. That's why I'm talking to you like this because he believes it's worth hearing it and he believes you're worth living it. Why does he preach revolution? Because he found revolutionists. Why does he he preach this stuff? Because he believes there's people that'll say yes. Yeah? And that yes could be in your heart. You don't have to ever again let where people aren't decide where you are if he's already Lord and that's established. You don't ever again have to have your demeanor get crushed because of a family atmosphere. The only, the only way you can't possibly emotionally abuse somebody unless they aren't sure who they are. Because I hear the emotional abuse phrase all the time and it's real and it happens and it's terrible and it crushes people, but it's because their identity is lacking. They're vulnerable to the abuse. You try to emotionally abuse me. Just day in and day out. Just try to emotionally abuse me. Friend, it's not, you, it does, you don't even have a chance. <laughs> it's because we need things from others that we can only get from him. So we're Christians, we hear sermons, but we continue to wake up and need to be loved, need to be appreciated, need to be valued. Psychology says it's true, and most pastors say if you don't preach that's true, you're in denial. But there's nothing in the gospel that tells me I'll ever have to live that way again. And there's no way I ever see those insecurities in Jesus. His own men pulled out on him. And he's not a hurting minister. Ready to give up and pastor and be great if it wasn't for the people. I heard that phrase several times in my life from pastors. How's it going? Well, it'd be great if it wasn't for the people. Are you serious? What? Well, come on, you know. And I'm like, now I got to be careful how I talk because I don't have a clue what he's saying. <laughs> and if I talk too quick, now I'm proud, presumptuous, trying to be somebody, high-minded, proud. Just because I don't relate. <laughs> People talk about traveling all the time. And they say, well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You travel all the time. And I'm thinking, I don't have a clue what you just said. That was other tongues. <laughs> talking about burnout and wore out and frustrated and people stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what world you're living in. My life's a gift. My life's a gift. My flight the other week got delayed. I wasn't making it home. What? That's not the end of the world. Are you kidding me? That's silly temporal inconvenience. There's people all around me. Jesus is on the inside of me. There's people that I'll brush by that I would have never brushed by if I was on the original plane. I get that. I'm not going to sit in a chair and sock and say, God, why did you let this happen to me? I really wanted to get home. Son, you're home. Walk in the light. <laughs> I hope I'm challenging you a little bit because we sell cheap and we're not for sale. We give in so quick. The little inconvenience, a little bump in the road. Oh man, here we go. Let's keep praying for traveling mercies, brother. (laughs) You might have traveling mercies. Your flight got delayed and you get to love on people you wouldn't have seen if you were on the plane. Mercy. Yay. Y'all all right? Okay. You're looking a little better than a half hour ago. Half hour ago, I was nervous. I was letting it rip and I looked and realized everybody had the same look. I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I can do this quick. I'll just close here. I'll just, I'll just read some scripture. The service will be legal. Nobody will be upset. 
Go to John 20 with me real quick. If you want to put it on the board, you guys are so amazing with it up there on the wall. I want, last night, were you here last night when I talked about being free from sin and walking in righteousness and how clean we are and how we got to live in righteousness? I gave you the 30-day challenge to put on righteousness every day. One guy came up this morning. Where is he? He blessed my heart so much. He came up and he said, hey, man, whoa, you put on your righteousness. You look awesome. He said that to me. I'm like, yay. <laughs> it was just great. John 20, John 20. That's, uh, you guys know John 20? The, the end of John 20, the last part of John 20 is Jesus raising from the dead, Mary going to the tomb, the tomb, the stones rolled away. He's not there. She's crying. There's a man there. She thinks is the gardener. You guys know the story? Yeah. It's like verse 15, maybe what, what, uh, yeah, let's just jump in there. So I just brought you up to speed. The stones rolled away. Jesus said to her, now it was Jesus. I can't explain. I don't know if you know, pastor, maybe you could tell me sometime and, and enlighten me, but I'm not sure why she couldn't recognize Jesus until he said, uh, Mary and said her name. Uh, I don't know why the two men on the road to Emmaus didn't know it was him, but their hearts burned. And when they broke bread, they realized it was Jesus and he disappeared. I don't know why he was able or wanting to not let him know immediately, but he seemed to be somebody else to her until he got personal and said, Mary. And then she went, Rabboni, which means teacher, and charged him. You can tell she, she charged him. Watch. He said to her, Mary, well, let's back up. Let's back up. Uh, 15, verse 15. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Mary loves Jesus. Do you get it? She's not afraid to die. She's not like the disciples hanging out in that place they were hanging out, afraid for the, of the Jews, waiting for the same thing to happen to them that happened to Jesus. They were freaked out. Mary's like, whatever. I love him. I'm going to the tomb. There were no guys with her. Mary was amazing. I don't know how she thought she was going to get to him, that big old stone. You know what she was going to do? She had anointing and stuff with her, her oils and spices, whatever. I don't know. He's already wrapped head to toe. She can't get in there, right? So what's she going to do? She just knows he's behind that stone. And that's as close as she can get. She's probably going to lay her cheek against it, cry and smear ointment on it and just sit there and cry. Probably. But it sure beat it just sitting back with a bunch of chicken-hearted guys that are arguing and disputing and feeling guilty and condemned. She took off and went to be with Jesus. She don't care if he's dead. He's Jesus. She loves him. He saved her. She said, I'll take him away. Next verse. Thanks, guys. Jesus said to her, Mary, this is so intimate, Mary, she turned in that quick, she realized he ain't no gardener, that's the Lord. She goes, Rabboni, and I promise you, according to this next scripture, she's going dead straight at him, Rabboni. <laughs> um, she is, look at the next, look, don't cling to me, she's coming hard. She's like, Rabboni. Don't cling to me, Mary. Ah. I promise you. Don't cling to me. Is he unsocial? Doesn't he have time for her? No, no, no. I've not yet ascended to the Father. There's something about that that's huge. It is finished means I don't need to be hit one more time. I don't need to bleed anymore. It's finished. The price necessary to redeem humanity has been paid. Enough bloodshed, enough disfigurement. It is finished. And then he gives up his spirit and he dies, but it ain't finished. He has to do Hebrews 9. He has to take his own blood now that he's raised from the dead and he's still a man. Don't argue over that. Yes, he's God. Yes, he's the son of God, but he's still a man. He still has flesh and he still has bone. And Paul said he's the mediator between God and man and he's the man, Jesus Christ. So he's having an ascended. He hasn't taken his blood. He hasn't taken his blood into the mercy seat that wasn't made with hands, into the heavenly tabernacle where God is, the holy place that Moses saw and replicated. He hasn't gone there yet. So he's going to do that. He just rose from the dead. This is, this is what it's been all about. This moment that they're at is why he was slain before the foundation of the world. This moment right here is what we didn't even know we were waiting for. Right here. It's right on us. Mary's running to him. He says, don't cling to me. Haven't yet ascended to the Father yet. But go tell my chicken-hearted, low-life, 
two-faced, backstabbing, got issues to settle when I see them. Come on, you better get real with Scripture. Them boys didn't do nothing right. They sat there. They said, we'll die for you. They said at the Last Supper, we'll die for him. He said, no, I'll be struck and you'll scatter. Amongst themselves, they whispered, I'll die, I'll die. I don't care what he says, I'll die. Did they die? Did they run? One man ran out of his clothes, ran naked through the trees. Now, I'm not the brightest man that ever lived, but if you run out of your clothes, you're trying to get away, not surrender. <laughs> Streaking disciple. <laughs> Guys are holding his clothes. Well, that dude wasn't ready to die. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's probably up there in the room. <laughs> I, have, I haven't yet ascended to my father. I haven't wrapped this thing up. I haven't made peace between God and man. I haven't put my blood, the blood of a man, the blood of a lamb without spot or blemish. I haven't put my own blood on the mercy seat to forgive all men, to make peace between God and man and to remove sin and its power off of those that would believe. I haven't done it yet. But go tell my brethren, it's so beautiful. They didn't do one thing right yet. Not one thing. Go tell my, do you understand that that's a covenant term, that that's a family term? He didn't say go tell my disciples. He said go tell my brethren. You know what he's saying? By saying that, I haven't changed my mind about them one bit. You're sitting out there and you think God has changed his mind about you. You are wrong. He doesn't even have the ability because he's love. <laughs> He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His love never fails. As long as you're drawing breath, you have an opportunity to be found in him. He never changes. No turning, no shifting of shadow. Go tell my Brethren, he hasn't changed his mind one bit. This is beautiful. Remember we talked yesterday when, God, when Jesus called God his father, they wanted to kill him all the more because he made himself equal with God and put himself on the plane of God. And then when they said, how do you pray? He said, when you pray, say our father. He's not saying he's my father. He's saying he's your father too. Watch. I'm ascending to my father and your father. The word father there means come forth from. To my God and your God. The word God there means source of life. Watch. I'm ascending to the one I came forth from who's my source of life. You ever hear somebody, Father God, I thank you, Father God, Father God, that Father God, we just, Father God, come to you, Father God. Do you ever hear anybody get Father God syndrome and say like 10 Father Gods? I'm not making fun of people. It's, it's funny. Yeah, I, I've heard it. I, it is, it's Father God, and I, it's, it's, it's awesome if we know what we're saying. Every time the person says, I'm Father God, you know what he's saying? Without realizing it, maybe. I came forth from the source of life. What an identity. I came forth, not, well, I was adopted. Well, I was conceived in fornication. My mom was, she was a hooker. No, no, no. I came forth from the source of life. Well, I was born into a family that didn't want me. Well, I got abused at a young age by my, my uncle. And, and then when I was 10, my parents split up. And then when, and all of a sudden, that's your story. Wait a minute. I came forth from the source of life. There's a higher answer. There's a higher story waiting to envelop you and clothe you. You have to take off what dressed you all those years and put on what he paid for. And you can't identify with this. You identify with this. It's called faith. It's called transformation. It's called freedom. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, not correcting David. He was saying, what can separate us from the love of God? What can separate us from the love of God? And we all figure the answer is nothing. But if you look at the list, the list is extensive. And nothing on that list can separate us. But the past isn't on the list. The present and the future is on the list. The past isn't on the list because he expects we understand it was paid for. And it's in the sea of forgetfulness. And it's out of bounds. Because actually recalling and reflecting on and identifying through your past has the total ability to keep you from receiving the love of God, even though he loves you. 
Because it's one thing to say, God loves you, I'm always right. It's another thing for you to be loved by God. And considering your past totally prevents you from receiving the love of God because you're identifying through the wrong season. Just threw that in there. Can we go back to where we were? Don't cling to me. I'm not yet a sinner. I'm going to my father, your father, to my God and your God. I got to roll through this because I got to get done. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day in the evening, that's amazing. Same day, evening. So if he said he's ascending to the Father, but go tell my disciples I'm ascending to the Father, do you think he ascended to the Father? We can prove that he did in a second here. We know he was on the road to Emmaus. We know he disappeared when they broke bread. He had a, he had a pretty busy schedule. But same day in the evening, first day of the week, when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled in a violent intercession prayer time led by the Holy Ghost. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, boy, I'm proud of you guys for running well. No, they were assembled for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came in and look what he said to them. This is how you know he put his blood on the mercy seat. Peace be. He didn't say peace be to you. He said peace be with you. He just made peace between God and man. His blood speaking better things than the blood of Abel. Sin no longer has the power to separate them from the Father. Jesus is the doorway back to the Father. And he said, peace be with you. Now look what happens. And he showed him his hand, showed him his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They're like, it really is you. Because that had to be a freak out. Be real with me. This isn't a movie. This happened to people. It's just a freak out. Now look. As soon as they saw it was the Lord, what do you think happened in their souls? What do you think happened to Peter when he saw it was the Lord? I mean, Peter threw a net and caught a bunch of fish and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. What do you think's happening now in his soul? What do you think's going on to the disciple that ran streaking through the trees and ran out of his clothes? When the Lord's standing right there and they're all assembled for fear, he walked into their fear fest. What do you think they're thinking when they realize it's really him? But look what he said. Next verse, Jesus said to them, peace to you. What's he saying? Look, I know how you're feeling right now, but get rid of it. It has nothing to do with truth and how I see you and who you're called to be. It ain't about you failing me. It's about you following me. Peace be to you. The first peace was peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you through his blood. This peace is him releasing them from what they've done wrong. Isn't that amazing? Ah! <laughs> and, then, and then he said this to the guys that didn't do anything right yet. Ah! As the not somewhat like, kind of like, well, do your best, but you'll never be like me. As the Father has sent me, as the Father, for God so, as the Father sent me, I send you. To the guys that didn't get anything right yet. Look at the next verse. This is, this is crazy amazing. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said, receive Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I think many of you know why he did that. He, he could have just said, receive Holy Spirit. He could have got charismatic. He, he said, Philip, help me. Phil, Phil, Phil. <laughs> he could have, I guess. But I guess he couldn't have. Because there's something he's doing. He's the redemption of man. He's the last Adam. He's the redeemer. He takes man back to the beginning. So how did God make man in the beginning? So why did he breathe? Because he took them back to Genesis. As if the tree never happened. Because the blood is now speaking better things. As if sin never happened. So it's just a fresh redemptive start. So he starts it off like God started it off in the beginning. Because man wasn't a living soul until he breathed. And he was just a form of what he was created to be. And he was abiding in death. And Jesus went. Receive Holy Spirit. Watch. See if you hear this. 
Let us make man in our image. And in the likeness and image of God, he made them, both male and female. Verse 26. Verse 27. Watch. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Let us make man in our image. As the Father sent me, I send you. That's one plus one is one. Now, don't answer that in school. You'll fail. (laughs) But in covenant, one plus one is a greater one. Do you hear it? Let us make man in our image. As the Father sent me, so I send. Next verse. I never preached on this for a long, long time because I never understood it. I feel like I have an understanding now, so I'm bold enough to just preach on it, and I'm, I'm open for correction. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, you are retained. It used to stumble me because I was like, when do you ever have the permission in Scripture to retain sin, to see a man for what he did or to read a book by the cover? When is unforgiveness ever permissible? Is it ever permissible? Unforgiveness? It sounds like he's giving them permission to retain sins. Let me tell you what I believe he's saying. He's saying, look, guys, as the father sent me for God so loved, so I send you. Watch if you go out there because I'm passing you the baton of the new covenant, New Testament church, and I'm going to sit at the right hand of the father and you are the body of Christ. You are here to represent me. And if you go out and love them like I've loved you, Thou know my love and my forgiveness. If you harden your heart, get judgmental, get hurt, turn inward, retain sins, see men for what they deserve. How will they ever know the way to forgiveness if you're the body of Christ? You with me? Next verse. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them. Just scroll with me. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. The reason I took the time to read that, I want you to see that he even went the extra with Thomas because he doesn't want him unbelieving, but believing. He's amazing. Jesus is amazing. Yeah? So from that place, the disciples go out, empowered, the breath of life, walking in the love of God. And if they forgive the sins of any, I shall be forgiven and they're not going to harden their hearts and step outside of love because they've been loved to the point of salvation. Are you with me? That's you and me today. In Matthew 28, he said, everything that I told you, I want you to go out and make disciples of every nation and teach them to observe everything I taught you. So if he said it to Peter, James, and John, he's talking to me. If he said it to Peter, James, and John, He's talking to you. So here's what I'll leave you with today. What are we going to believe? Amen? I'm going to pray over you and I'll be done because I'm a little bit late and I apologize. Yeah, I haven't even done that for a while. I'm very sorry. Father, I just thank you for the morning. I thank you for the gathering of awake and I just thank you for the body of Christ here. I just thank you that you're influencing us in a way of transformation and change. I thank you that you've allowed me to come and be a confirming voice on the things that have been cried out in this house. And I thank you, you're affirming and establishing things in our lives. Thank you that we're going to walk brighter. We're going to walk clearer. We're going to be way more consistent, God. There's no turning back. We are in this thing for keeps. We don't ever grow weary in well-doing. We're going to reap because we won't lose heart. I bless this house with that word, and I believe it's our resume and testimony. In Jesus' name, be glorified through this house. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
for updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.